0: Well, I have uh, made no secret over the years over my lack of handiness when it comes to fixing things. I have told you before that I spent a lot of money hiring contractors to fix things I broke trying to fix things. I don't, I don't have a lot of success stories. But many years ago, a guest in our home dropped her wedding ring down our kitchen sink. And my wife asked me if there was anything we could do to get it back. And I said, no, uh, I, I don't know where that goes, but it's probably in the ocean by now. And uh, And she pushed me, so I called a handy friend at church and uh, he said the ring could be gone forever or it might be in the trap. And I said, the trap? He said, the trap under your sink. He's. He said, go stand by your sink, I'll stay on the phone. And I went over there and he said, under your sink, there's a cabinet. And I looked and sure enough, under the sink, there was a cabinet. He said, open up the cabinet and look inside, you'll see some pipes. I opened it up, look inside, and sure enough, there were pipes. And he said, there'd be a U-shaped pipe under there. And sure enough, there was a U-shape. It was like he was there in the room with me. He said, We have to remove the U shaped pipe. Go and get a bucket and put it under there. And I did it. And he said, Now you see uh, some rings. They're, they're, those are called slip nuts. And you need to turn those to get them open. And I said, They, they will not turn. And he said, Turn it the other way. And I did. And it opened. I got one side off and the other side I I couldn't and I said, it won't budge. And he said, well, keep trying and if you can't get it by hand, uh, you'll need to use some tools. And I said, I don't have any tools. And he said, try harder. He said, I think you've got the strength. Put all you've got into it. Put that muscle in and you'll be able to open it. And I got it. It's like he knew the physical strength that I possessed within myself. And and, and that piece came out and inside that U-shaped piece was our friend's wedding ring and a lot of other unidentifiable, nasty, nasty nasty-looking things. Uh, But we got the ring back, and our friend was pleased, and my wife was proud, and I did it all with some expert counsel. Now, these days, I think homeowners uh, get their counsel from YouTube video tutorials. Do you do that? That's fantastic, super helpful. But there's nothing like talking to someone who knows your specific situation and your specific abilities. I have called this guy on other occasions when he's just said, Scott, you should call somebody right away. Don't even touch that. Um, if you were an average guy, I would walk you through that and tell you how to do that, but you are no average guy. And I said, well, thank you. He said things in a very nice way. He never, he never said to me, Scott, you suck at these things. He would say, Scott, your gifts lie in other areas. That's what he said. Your gifts lie in other areas. I thought that was a very nice uh, way to put it. Um, He has really saved me lots of money, and he's saved me from making some very bad house decisions. As you know, we are in a Sunday morning series called How to Make a Bad Decision. Why are we talking about bad decisions? Because if we can learn the components of a bad decision, we can learn how to not make them and the Bible has lots of examples of people making bad decisions. It's like God is saying, pay attention to this. Learn from this negative example. And so we're looking at four stories of the Bible that contain four of the worst decisions ever made. And I wanna clarify at the outset that we're talking about deliberate decisions, not innocent unintentional mistakes. There is a difference. I saw an article on this that prompted me on the difference between a mistake and a decision. The article cites some examples. A politician cheats on his wife and gets found out, and he announces, I made a big mistake. An entrepreneur fails to report a large chunk of his income to the IRS, and he gets caught, and he says, sorry for my mistake. A son lies to his mother and later admits it, saying it was a mistake. These are not mistakes, they're bad decisions. We might call most of these sin. The article that I read that dug into this said this, it said, selecting the wrong answer on a test is a mistake. Not studying for the test, that's a bad decision. The mistake was something you did without intention, the bad decision was made intentionally, without regard to the consequences. And that's what we're talking about in this series. Not, not just mistakes, but bad decisions made intentionally, often without regard for the consequences. Last week, we looked at the story of a man named Esau who lost his inheritance, lost everything that was coming his way because of one thing, short-term thinking. We might call him Esau the short-sighted. And today we're going to learn from another example, another negative example, of a man in the Bible you may have never heard of. His name is Rehoboam, and his story is found in the book of 1 Kings. And reading Rehoboam's story today is Pastor David Owen, who I'm always glad to have with us in worship, uh, participating virtually today. Uh, But Pastor David, uh, his primary role is pastor of visitation. So he spends the bulk of his time with people who cannot come to worship. They're in the hospital. They're homebound. And Pastor David Owen joined the staff of Ward Church. He became a Ward Church pastor in, wait for it, 1968 is when he became pastor of the Detroit Ward Church and later came out to join the team in Livonia. And David is one of the most remarkable Christian men I know. He loves Jesus and he loves you even if he's never met you. So it's our privilege to have Pastor David Owen read our scripture reading today in the sanctuary here. Would you please stand to your feet for the scripture reading? At home, you may want to stand as well. And let us give our attention to today's scripture reading.
1: Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. And he asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him replied, these people said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam as the king had said, Come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly. Rejecting the advice given him by the elders, he followed the advice of the young men and said, My father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people. For this turn of events was from the Lord to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through Ahijah, the Shilonite. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The story of
0: King Rehoboam. Now let's review a little Old Testament history. The kings of ancient Israel, the very first king of ancient Israel was Saul. Uh, Before Saul, there was no king. There were a series of judges And the idea that ruled the day before Saul was that God was their king. They needed no human king. They were a theocracy. God is king. But the people said all the cool countries have kings. We want a king. And God eventually relented and gave the people what they wanted. And Paul was appointed and anointed the king of Israel. And it went really well at first. And then it kind of went not well. And then David assumed the throne. David is the son-in-law of Saul, among other things, and David, King David, becomes one of the greatest kings, one of the greatest leaders, one of the greatest men of God that the world has ever known. In fact, he becomes the gold standard for kings, and generations later in their history, they would look back and say, maybe someday God will send us another king like David. In fact, it's a little bit of foreshadowing because centuries later, Jesus would arrive, And Jesus was from the house and lineage of David. He would be the king in David's line. That's going to come much later. But David rules in economic prosperity and the country's doing very well. Later, his son Solomon, Solomon makes his own mark on the world through his incredible wisdom and Solomon becomes known as the wisest person in the world. And he builds on his father's successes and the country grows and grows and grows and prospers. And people from all over the world, kings and queens from all over the world will come to seek Solomon out for his wisdom, including the famed Queen of Sheba. David and Solomon's reigns can only be considered the golden age of Israel. And then when Solomon died, his son Rehoboam took the throne. And it should have been great. Rehoboam was all set up. Everything was moving in the right direction. Now the country had some problems, but they were the kind of problems that come from growth, the problems that come from success. Here Rehoboam comes to the throne, the son of Solomon, grandson of David, and this is where it all went wrong. King Rehoboam, at his coronation makes a decision a bad decision that actually splits the nation into two and 10 of the 12 tribes seed Leave civil war, they go with Jeroboam and form the northern kingdom of Israel. Only two of the 12 tribes stay with Rehoboam in the south. The north says, We will never again follow the house of David. And the nation remains divided for the rest of their days until their ultimate demise. They go into a downward spiral spiritually, economically, eventually leading to the season of the Bible of the prophets where God would send prophets to the north and the south to call people back to himself. And as often was the case, the words of the prophets fell on deaf ears. 350 years of decline until eventually both the north and the south end up in exile. The northern kingdom falls to Assyria in 722 B.C. The southern kingdom falls to the Babylonians in 586 B.C. And this is basically the end of the Old Testament. The story of the Bible doesn't really pick up again until Jesus Christ in the New Testament. King Rehoboam, essentially I don't know if it's overstating it, single-handedly, ended the kingdom of Israel. He killed the nation all by himself. He got himself so out of sorts and his people so out of sorts that he altered human history and in not a good way. And what was this bad decision? What was it that divided this? Did you pick it up in what David Owen read? The people came to Rehoboam to install him as the next king and to move on. And they came to the king and they made this request. Under Solomon, we were growing so fast, taxes got heavy, many people were conscripted into labor. Could you, as a brand new king, in your inaugural act, uh, institute some leniency and pull back on taxes and labor? It was an incredible opportunity for the new king to curry favor and gain some loyalty. He could come to power, grant some leniency, and get further faster by this approach. And this is exactly what his oldest and wisest advisors encouraged him to do. But instead, the grand moment of coronation ended with humiliation and a divided kingdom. How did he make such a bad decision? And how can we make such a bad decision? And here's the lesson of the day. If you want to make a bad decision, refuse wise counsel. Refuse wise counsel. Now, Rehoboam had two groups available to him. He had the older and the wiser men who served his father Solomon. He had the younger men who were his peers, the guys he grew up with. And at first glance, you might think this story is about old versus young. Old school versus new school. Older, outdated ways of thinking with newer, cutting edge, innovative thinking. Is this new math versus old math? Classic rock versus hip hop? Facebook versus TikTok? Is it a generational thing? And that's not what's going on here. Uh, First of all, Rehoboam is no child himself. I know age is relative. But Rehoboam, at this point of the story, is 41 years old. That's no spring chicken. So it's not an age thing going on here. What's going on here? Well, uh, the Hebrew word for, here for young men can also be translated young boys or young children. Meaning this is not just about chronology. It means this group we're talking about, they were childish. They were immature, uh, they, they, were, they were so superficial in their counsel that they were like children. Conversely, the word of the Bible, elder, refers not just to age, but to people of sound judgment and mature wisdom. Uh, and so Rehoboam had this choice about who he was gonna listen to. And he basically shut out the wisdom of the wise, and he accepted the wisdom of the children. Now, this is not a story about a king who carefully weighed conflicting counsel, that he received it and thought about it and weighed it and measured it and prayed about it and then made his decision with this group, that would be one kind of story, but it appears that he would not even receive counsel from one group of people. He shut it down before it began. And this is why I think that happened. Here's one pivotal verse. Notice the timeline of events. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him, he asked them, what is your advice? In other words, he, he shut down the first advice before he even, even heard the second group's counsel. He wasn't even open to that. He never uh, gave it any real credence, and it led to a horrible decision, and we do this as well. Everybody here has at some time or another shut out wise counsel. Why do we do this? Why? There's a couple key reasons this happens over and over again. The first reason is we've already made up our minds. And when we've already decided in our minds, we avoid anyone who might tell us something different. We cherry pick our counsel. We go to the people we think will agree with our decision and we avoid the people we think will tell us otherwise. We become stubborn. I read about a school teacher who lost her life savings in an investment scheme, uh, cleverly orchestrated. She invested all of her money. When she got scammed, she went to the Better Business Bureau to report it, and the Better Business Bureau said to her, why didn't you come to us before you invested the money? And she said, Because I was afraid you would tell me not to do it. When our minds are made up, we don't want to hear something, even if it's going to lead us to a poor decision. And the second reason we reject wise counsel is related. We think we know more than everyone else. We really get arrogant. This is prideful, that we believe no one has anything to offer us, that we know it all. We come to believe that we are the smartest people in every room, right? You become uh, willing to give counsel, but not to receive it. And you hear people talk about people like this. You can't tell her anything. He can't be taught anything. An unteachable spirit Maybe one of the most dangerous traits of all. An arrogant, conceited, unteachable spirit will lead you into ditch after ditch, failure after failure, bad decision after bad decision. Because here's the hard truth you don't know everything. And here's the dangerous truth you don't know what you don't know. Every one of us has a blind spot. There's something about yourself. There's something about your world, something about your situation that you simply can't see. And wise counselors can help you see what you can't see. Wise counselors can often help you know what you don't know. So how do we accept wise counsel? First of all, we have to have the humility to desire it to recognize we don't know everything and we need counselors and wisdom in our life. We have to desire it. And the idea of this is so important in the Bible that the lesson is repeated over and over again. Here's a few samples just from one book in the Bible from the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, just a few verses here. And just for fun, let's read some of these aloud together wherever you are. This is Proverbs 12:15. ready? The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Here's another proverb. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Let's do another one. Listen to advice and accept discipline. At the end of your life, uh, sorry, <laughs> you, you were doing better. At the end, you will be counted among the wise. Uh, let's do one last one. Plans are established by seeking advice. So if you wage war, obtain guidance, right? And we can go on and on and on how much the Bible says to value, advice, and counsel. There's a predictable pattern in people's life. The higher the arrogance, the fewer the counselors that person will have. We have to humble ourselves to desire it, and then we need to pursue it. You wanna find people who can serve you as a counselor in their life. And the people you're looking for are people who walk with God. Preferably, they're people who know your unique situation and your unique abilities. They're people who have your best interest at heart. Um, They're people that you can go and ask for their wisdom. They're people that are ahead of you in whatever area you're about to make a decision, whether it's home repair, or parenting, or marriage, or financial management, or career, or spiritual life. Again, the people you're looking for may not be older than you, but they usually are. You're looking for someone ahead of you, not necessarily by age or by fame, but by wisdom. Jesus says a very interesting line. Uh, He says, but wisdom is proved right by all her children. Another place he says, wisdom is proved right by her deeds. The proof is in the pudding. Wisdom is determined by the fruit that someone's life bears. You want to find people who are producing the kind of fruit that you want your life to produce. Hebrews says this, remember your leaders. I I am one leader in one church. Our church has lots of leaders. But I think about this. Remember, your leaders who spoke the Word of God to you. Leaders, advisors can speak the Word of God to you from a platform like we're doing right now or from your living room or from a coffee shop. We want to surround ourselves with leaders, with counselors, with advisors who can speak the Word of God to you, who know the Word of God, yes, but also consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. What you're really looking for is the outcome. Who's got the kind of life that you'd like to have? And I find that uh, people are never offended to be asked for their counsel. When you ask somebody, can, can, I, can we have coffee? Can I run something by you? Can I have a few minutes to, you, would you be a sounding board to me? They're never offended by that. Uh, they're always honored to be invited in. So we want to pursue counsel, find those people. And lastly, of course, We want to receive the counsel. Genuinely listen in a non-defensive spirit with an open mind, not like Rehoboam did. Actually consider it. Now, this does not mean that you have to do it. Your advisor could be wrong. If you have multiple advisors, they might not agree, like Rehoboam's advisors did not agree. But unlike Rehoboam, we have to actually take it in and weigh it and consider it in ways that Rehoboam was unwilling. This is not about running your life by committee. It's not about letting other people tell you what to do. And if you do ask somebody for advice and you don't take it, we're worried they might be offended. But if they are offended, they weren't that mature to begin with. Meaning this is something that you don't let dictate your life, it doesn't dictate your life, but it's something you let facilitate your life, inform your life, serve your life. If you go to somebody who walks with God, has your best interest at heart, knows you, and is ahead of you in the area of your decision, this can be uh, priceless. It can be a way for God to speak into our life. We, we have the Bible, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have wise counselors in our life that can speak into it. And I can tell you from experience how much this has helped me personally when I've been able to bounce uh, something off another pastor, if it's a pastor concern. The time I've been able to speak with other men about being a father. This can be really valuable. And consider the alternative consider a life that's closed off to any kind of input or counsel or shaping. What happens with that life? The book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom speaks to that as well. It describes that kind of life closed off to counsel. It says, at the end of your life, you will groan. When your flesh and body are spent, you will say, how I hated discipline. Right? The, the root word there, same word for Disciple. How my heart spurned correction. I didn't want anyone to correct me or speak into my life. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to instructors. I was just closed off to anything anybody wanted to speak into my life. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. If you're closed to counsel, you will end up in serious trouble. We can learn from Rehoboam the Stubborn. And we can make better decisions by being receptive to counsel. Last week, we learned from the story of Esau the short-sighted. Today, we learned from the story of Rehoboam the stubborn. And next Sunday, we're going to look at another Bible story and another bad decision from which we can learn. I hope you'll come back and join us. Now, wherever you are, would you join me in prayer? Well, oh God, help us to do what the proverb says. Listen to advice and accept discipline, that at the end we will be counted among the wise. We pray specifically now for those among us who are facing tough decisions right now regarding their job or their family or maybe a relationship, maybe a friendship, maybe a dating situation. Surround them with wisdom. Speak to them through your word, through your spirit, and through the advisors that you have placed in their life. Give them discernment, courage, and peace. God, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. You have been kind and patient and forgiving. Thank you, Father. We are your children fully imperfect, and yet perfectly loved. Send us from this gathering as your ambassadors, empowered and confident. May we be people who do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with you, our God. Give us eyes to see you in the world this week. And this we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.